Hey everyone, it's a delight to be with you. I've been looking forward to this for some time now. And of course, some good. it's good to see some of my former students. You know, I think I had a very much undeserved reputation for being a hard teacher. I just, I just always felt that was undeserved. Uh, I taught uh, some years ago, I taught uh, a history of civilization course, history of world, world history. And uh, uh, after I taught the first semester, they changed me and had me teach up in the graduate school. And so somebody else taught that, uh, the students for the second semester. And uh, they had a teacher replace me and she came and she said, Mr. Dalton, I've never taught history before. Could I borrow your notes? And I said, well, of course, you can borrow my notes. And she said, well, could I borrow your tests? And I said, you can borrow my tests. And she said, well, can I borrow your quizzes? Uh, I was well known for giving quizzes. And uh, so uh, I always thought that you've got to sort of inspect what you expect. And I found that if you didn't quiz them over reading, they, they simply wouldn't read. But anyhow, this, uh, this uh, teacher uh, told me that a girl came up to her second semester and that had me for first semester. And she said, uh, she said, oh, Miss, Mrs. Terry, uh, so your, your quizzes are so much easier than Mr. Dalton's. <laughs> so I think it's a matter of perception. <laughs> well, I want to talk tonight about assurance. Do you know that beyond any shadow of a doubt that your sins are under the blood? Do you know that you're on your way to heaven? Have you got that all settled? Uh, in all the years that I taught, I had a number of students that, that would come to me and having doubts about their salvation. Uh, good people, saved people can have uh, trouble over that. And uh, the first question I would always ask them, I said, are you spending time daily, very important emphasis, are you spending time every day uh, meditating in the scriptures and spending time in prayer? Uh, do you do that regularly, consistently? And I've never, and as far as I can remember, I've never had one student say that they were praying and reading their Bibles daily that had doubt about their salvation. Uh, but it's so important to have that settled. How do you enjoy your Christian life thinking that you can lose your salvation or not sure that you are saved? Turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10. And here's sort of a very fascinating incident that takes place. But you know the word of God, God is very, uh, it's very important that we be settled about this matter and know that we're saved and know beyond any shadow of a doubt that we're on our way to heaven. It's so, it's almost impossible to, exagger, uh, to exaggerate the importance of knowing that you're saved on your way to heaven. And I'm fascinated how much the Bible says about assurance, the assurance of salvation. In Luke chapter 10, come down to verse uh, uh, 16, if you would, or I'm sorry, verse 17. Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse 17. And the 70 returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject to us through thy name. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Notwithstanding, 
In this rejoice not uh, that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Now, I believe what the Lord is saying here is, you know, I saw Satan lose his salvation. But you need to rejoice in the fact not that you've had these great powers and exercised these great, power, these great powers over Satan and uh, over serpents, but uh, you rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Rejoice that you're saved and you can't lose that salvation. If you're really saved and born again and your sins are under the blood, that you, you can't lose your salvation. That's all settled. Turn to the uh, wonderful gospel of Romans chapter 8. This is one of the great assurance passages in all the word of God. It's not talking about salvation here. It's not talking about how to get saved. If you take this passage uh, beginning, in, uh, in, chapter, beginning in, chapter, uh, in chapter 8 and the beginning in verse 17, uh, this is dealing with assurance. This whole passage to the end of this chapter, verse 39, is dealing with assurance. And uh, the word of God is uh, uh, suggesting that the people of God in Rome at this time were under great uh, persecution, under great trials of affliction, uh, great uh, uh, perhaps uh, being uh, persecuted by the, uh, by the Roman government and so on. We don't know what all is going on here. But this is a great passage on comfort. And that how the people of God should find their comfort in the word of God. And uh, Paul is saying, look, the Holy Spirit prays for you. The Holy Spirit intercedes for you. Christ intercedes for you. And listen, all things work together for good to those that love God. To those who are the called according to his purpose. So here's a great, great chapter on assurance. Let's pick up this chapter in verse 17. And we want to go through this great chapter, and I want you to see how this, uh, this great passage is designed to give God's people comfort and assurance in times of trouble, in times of affliction. Verse 17 says in the, uh, uh, verse 17, and if children, go back to verse 16, says the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Uh, the Holy Spirit will bear witness with your spirit that you're a child of God. And uh, this is a, a great emphasis here in the Word of God. It's so, so very important to be certain, to know, uh, to know that beyond any shred of a doubt that you're saved, that you can't lose your salvation. How do you enjoy your Christian life thinking you can get up every day and you may lose your salvation that day? You know, people that teach that they never, never tell you at what point you can lose your salvation. Uh, watch these people, and I mean, these are good people, people that love the Lord, uh, but they live under, under, uh, under the, the, the terrible, terrible thought that they, might be able, that they might lose their salvation. Well, let's look at this wonderful passage. And if the children, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and join heirs with Christ. Now, I can't get my mind quite around this. God is going to place me as a son, place me into his family. and I'm going to be like Jesus someday. I'm going to be the friend of Jesus. God is my father. Jesus is my friend. But I'm a co-heir with Christ. Everything that Jesus Christ inherits uh, from his father, we're going to be a co-heir with him. 
I, I, I simply can't get my mind around that. To be placed as a son of God, uh, to be a brother of Christ, and to be a joint heir or a co-heir of everything that Christ inherits. Look at verse 18. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. It's talking about the word of God is giving comfort, giving assurance to believers, those that love God, those that are saved. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. When our old bodies are raptured out, this old body will be glorified. Uh, that's when we'll experience full adoption. Now, when you got saved, you got born again, your soul, in one sense, was adopted into the family of God. God placed you as a son. He brought you into God's family. But now, our full adoption will not take place till we're raptured out or if we die. Then our body will be glorified. Our body will, then will be like Jesus. The Word of God talks about the, uh, the creation is waiting for the revelation of the Son. Uh, 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 revelation of the sons of God. When we're, when, our, when we're raptured out and our bodies are glorified, we become like Jesus. When we see him, we shall be like him. That's our glorification. And what, uh, when uh, cre uh, creation is waiting for the revelation of the sons of God. When our bodies are raptured out and we're glorified, we become like Jesus, then this old creation will be liberated from bondage. Now, I'm not understanding why all that is, but when a man fell in the garden, creation fell. Uh, so uh, creation is in bondage. But when you and I are glorified, when we become like Jesus, these bodies are glorified and become like Jesus, then uh, somehow that, uh, that creation would be liberated from its bondage. This is what it's making reference to. When, we, when we're, they're waiting for the uh, creation is waiting for the glorification of the Son waiting for us to be fully adopted. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed. That glory is when these bodies are raptured out and become glorified. For the earnest expectation of the creation, the creature, creation, waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. When we're raptured out, our bodies are glorified, then we'll be manifested will be revealed to be like Jesus. Uh, creation is waiting for the revelation of the sons of God, waiting for us to be glorified, waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature, the creation, was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope, because the creature, the creation, the creature, itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. When we're raptured out of here, we become like Jesus. We'll be liberated from the power of sin, uh, liberated from the very presence of sin. What a wonderful, wonderful day that will be. But what the Word of God is saying here, look, when you got saved, God predestined you to become like Jesus. Predestination has nothing to do with salvation. It has to do with becoming like Jesus. Uh, we're predestinated in Christ. What a wonderful guarantee that you can't lose your salvation. We may not always be the best Christians, 
But there will be a day when our old bodies are raptured out of here and will be glorified. We'll be like Jesus. We'll be like him. And we'll be liberated from the bondage of sin. But with our liberation also comes the liberation of creation. Uh, creation is groaning and uh, burdened under the sin and the fall of the, of the fall, uh, the sin of the fall and so on. And so uh, creation will be liberated when we become liberated. For the, creature, for the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly. Verse 21, because the creature, the creation itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. Uh, we live in a fallen world. We as believers, we have to put up with this old body of sin. Uh, we have to suffer and groan under the, uh, the fall and the result of the fall and, and the result of our sin and our failure. Uh, these Christians are very troubled. This is a great passage of Scripture written to give assurance and to give comfort in times of great tribulation and trouble and difficulty. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and prevaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, when you get saved, you get born again, the Holy Spirit comes into your heart to dwell in your heart, and that's the first fruits of your salvation in one sense. Even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption, waiting to be placed, waiting for our bodies to be placed as sons of God. That will occur at the rapture. Uh, you might say that rapture is a process, uh, the adoption is sort of a process. My soul is adopted at salvation, but my old body still lays out in the grave. Now, when my body is raptured and I become like Jesus, I'll be like him. He's the first fruits of all those that become like him. He's the first fruits of what we will be someday when we're magnified and glorified and become adopted and placed into his family. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope, for what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for the, what we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. Verse 26, likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what to pray, uh, know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Uh, the Holy Spirit is interceding for us praying for us. We're in this bondage to sin, to, to suffering. Uh, we live under great tribulation in this whole body. And so the word of, uh, we don't know what to pray for oftentimes. We have trouble. We have difficulty. We have satanic opposition. Uh, we have terrible tribulation in this world at times. Uh, but sometimes we just don't know what to pray for. And I can take great comfort. You can take great comfort in the fact that the Holy Spirit prays for us. And intercedes for us. Sometimes I don't know how to pray. Sometimes uh, believers come under such burdens that they, that they groan within themselves. And it's unutterable. It's not, it, you can't hear it. There's no sound. It's simply, I think, it's suggesting the terrible uh, burdens, the private burdens, the silent burdens that we go through. But we have the wonderful promise that the Holy Spirit is praying for us. Jesus Christ at the right hand of the Father is also interceding for us. What wonderful guarantees of salvation. What wonderful guarantees that you can't lose your salvation. 
This is basically what this is about assurance. When you're saved and born again, you have the Holy Spirit praying for you. You have Christ praying for you. Uh, Christ is always praying for his children. Is God the Father going to deny the prayer of the Holy Spirit? Is he going to deny the prayer of his son, Jesus Christ? Uh, no, Christ is praying for us. Uh, the Holy Spirit is praying for us. How can we lose our salvation if Christ is praying for us? If the Holy Spirit is praying and interceding for us? What's it? Uh, come to verse 27. I lost my place there. Hold on. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Uh, this is one of the most magnificent promises in all the Word of God. God is saying, look, all things work together for good to them that love God who are the called according to his purpose. Now, what is purpose? What is the purpose of God here? We'll see this in just a second. But the word of God is saying, look, that no matter what comes into your life, a tragedy, heartbreak, uh, a bad report from the doctor, financial struggles, uh, betrayal by friends, uh, wayward uh, teenagers, uh, no matter what the trouble and difficulty is in your life, God will take that trouble, God will take that burden and cause that to work together for good. Now, it doesn't say that God causes you to sin or anything else. No matter what it is, though, God will take that and bring that, those, all those things together and cause them to work together for good. What a magnificent promise this is. But I want you to see something. Now, what is God's purpose? This is, very, very, this is the heart of this great passage on uh, assurance. God has a wonderful purpose. He has a purpose for all those that love God, those that are saved, those that are born again. Now look at the verse 28. And we know, by the way, I love the certainty of our salvation, don't you? Don't have to guess. Don't have to hope so. We know. For we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Do you see the word for? That's a connective. That's connecting verse 28 to verse 29. And in verse 29, you see the great purpose of God. And God, uh, God is giving assurance now that Paul is writing to give believers assurance of their salvation. He's not telling you how to get saved. He's talking to people who are already saved. And he's trying that these great verses are designed to give believers comfort and give assurance in times of trial and trouble and tribulation. And so here's the great purpose of God. You're saved, you're born again, you're under the, your sins are under the blood, you're on your way to heaven. Someday you're going to be adopted. You're going to be placed into the family of God. Your body will be placed into the family of God as it's adopted, as it's glorified. But now look what the purpose is in verse 29. For whom he did foreknow, that word foreknow does not mean predestinate. It means knowledge that God has in, in advance. <laughs> uh, God uh, foreknows everything. God's omniscient. Uh, God uh, knew uh, about us before the earth was ever created, before man was ever created. It's the foreknowledge of God. God simply knew in advance. It says, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate. That means that's not the same as foreknow. 
Predestinate means to determine beforehand, to, to preordain. And what are we preordained to? Read the Word of God carefully. To be conformed to the image of His Son. What a wonderful guarantee of salvation. Uh, you might not be a, a spiritual giant. You might be a worldly Christian. But if you're really saved and you're really born again, God is going to conform you to the image of his son. Someday you'll be and we'll all be like Jesus. Isn't that a wonderful thought? That's a guarantee of salvation. When God saved you, he guaranteed, he predestinated, he predetermined that someday you'd be like Jesus. That's what predestination is all about. It has nothing to do with salvation. Uh, you're already saved. God, now, did God know you'd be saved someday? Sure. God's omniscient. He knows all things. He has a foreknowledge. But his foreknowledge did not uh, require you to be saved. God didn't make you get saved. God did not predestinate you to salvation. <laughs> but uh, those that put their faith in Christ, he guarantees that someday they'll be like Jesus. We're predestinated in Christ, not to Christ. When we get, that, when we get saved... God promises that someday you'll be like me. Uh, he'll, when his, he'll be the firstborn of many brethren. And we're all going to be like Jesus someday. We're going to be like him. That's what predestination is all about. Now let's go on. Look what else. Is God, this is all God's purpose. God's purpose is to take all those that are saved and born again and to sanctify them and to, uh, first of all, uh, to justify them, sanctify them, then glorify them. God guarantees that as a believer, God will glorify you someday, that your body will be placed into the family of God and you'll be a son of God, you'll be a friend of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you'll be a co-heir with the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't care how worldly you are if you're saved. God promises, God guarantees that these wonderful things are going to happen to you. Uh, that's his purpose. God purposes to glorify those who are saved. Moreover, verse 30, moreover whom he did predestinate, then he also called. Now that word call means invited. Paul is writing to these believers in Rome. And, here he, and he's saying, here's why you can have comfort in times of affliction and trouble. Here's how you can know for sure that your sins are under the blood, that, you're, that you can't lose your salvation. Take, uh, take great comfort. Have assurance that you're saved. And you can't lose that salvation. Paul is trying to encourage the believers. And, he, and he's saying, here's what happened to you. And here are the guarantees God has purposed uh, these wonderful things in your life. And he's saying, now here's what happened to you, and here's why you can have assurance. That's what, what he's saying here in verse 29. For whom he did foreknow... He also did predestinate, predetermined beforehand to be conformed to the image of his son. He didn't predestinate you to be saved, but if you exercise your free will and put your trust in Christ as a savior, then he guarantees that someday you'll be like Jesus. You'll be like him. That he, uh, then he also called, that word called means invited. Uh, many, many are called, many are invited, but few are chosen. God invites every man to be saved. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
Everyone, every human being is invited to salvation. Uh, God is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. God has commanded all men everywhere to repent and get saved. Uh, over and over again, whosoever will, I think it's about 110 times in the New Testament, the Word of God says, whosoever will may be saved. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Uh, so uh, if you exercise your free will, put your trust in Christ, once you're saved, then uh, God guarantees that someday you'll be like him. When we did predestinate, then he also invited. And those that he invited, those one that received the invitation, he justified them. He declared them, uh, uh, he declared them sinless. Uh, he uh, imputed his righteousness to us. And uh, so we're justified. And then those he justified, then he also glorified. And that's what we're waiting for is glorification. See, this is the great purpose of God. He came into the world to seek and to save that which is lost. And here we see his wonderful purpose being carried out. Uh, he foreknew you now. He, knew, he foreknew all those who would be saved. He didn't make you get saved. He didn't compel you to be saved. Uh, he didn't pre even predestinate you to be saved. But when you exercise your free will and put your faith in Jesus, then uh, his purpose was being carried out. He uh, justified you, and then he, then one day we're waiting for that full glorification, are we not? When we'll be like Jesus, when these old uh, vile bodies would be made like unto his glorious body. What a wonderful day. I can't, under, I can't comprehend what it would be to be like Jesus, can you? What a concept. By the way, adoption is the apex of grace. Uh, this is the culmination and the glory of the salvation process, to be adopted to be placed into the family of God, to become a son of God, a brother of the Lord Jesus Christ, and a co-heir of Christ. Of all that he inherits, I'll inherit with him. Look at verse 31. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared, here's probably the most magnificent promise in all the word of God. Do you have about five or six promises that you, ought to build, that, you, that, you built, that you build your life around? You ought to have about five or six great promises that you've memorized. And you just build your life around those promises. I run to Romans 8, 28 all the time. But we know, don't have to guess, don't have to hope so, but we know that everything, that God, God works good for those that love God and are called according to his purpose. Uh, Isaiah 26, 3 that will keep him in perfect, perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. There in the Hebrew, there's a double emphasis. God, only, God keeps you in an absolute, a perfect, perfect peace. Uh, what magnificent, be careful. Don't worry about anything. But by prayer and supplication, uh, you know, let the request be made known to God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding shall keep your, uh, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You ought, to, you ought to memorize some of these. Have, have a, these wonderful promises that you run to. It'll make all the difference in the world. Look at, but look at this. Uh, here, here's, maybe this is the greatest promise in all the word of God. He that spared not his own son, 
but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? What a, what a wonderful, magnificent promise. If he gave you Jesus, what else could he withhold? He's promised everything, has he not? Now look at this, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justified. When you got saved, God justified you. He declared you innocent of any law-breaking. Don't listen to the accusations of Satan. Uh, God, uh, if God justifies you, that settled it. And look at this, verse 34. Who is he that con condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who maketh intercession for us. We've got the Lord Jesus Christ in heaven interceding for us and the wonderful Holy Spirit interceding within us. How, can, how then can we lose our salvation? Look at verse 35 to 39. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? How can, who can, how can we lose our salvation? I saw Satan lose his salvation, but you rejoice that your names are written in heaven because you can't lose your salvation like Satan did. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? <coughs> shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? How are you going to lose your salvation? To be separated from the love of God will be to lose your salvation. As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. They in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life. All right, now you can't lose your salvation in death and you can't lose your salvation, uh, your salvation in life. Well, you tell me then when can you lose it? If you can't lose it in death and can't lose it in life, when can you lose it? Look at this. I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities, these are, uh, uh, these are powerful uh, uh, fallen angels. There seems to be a hierarchy of, uh, of angels in the heavens, a, a, uh, almost like a government, a, a hierarchy of fallen angels that have great power. Uh, by the way, I think these unidentified flying objects are probably demonic powers. Now, I know that sounds maybe nutty, <laughs> but I believe these, uh, these so-called flying saucers and all these things uh, are manifestations of satanic powers. Uh, you read the book of the Revelation, there's not the, uh, the Antichrist and the false prophet, are they not going to show wonders in the heavens and things like that to deceive many? Well, I didn't mean to get into that, but uh, these, uh, these satanic powers are not going to separate us from the love of God. Satan is not going to destroy our salvation. Nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come. Now, there's nothing right now going on that can cause you to lose your salvation. And there's nothing in the future that can cause you to lose your salvation. Now, if we can't be separated from the love of God now, nor in the future, then when can we be separated from the love of God? Uh, this... Uh, Word of God is very, God, the Lord's very concerned that we have assurance of our salvation. I don't think you can, you can't enjoy your Christian life. How can you get up every day and think you might lose your salvation that day? 
but a terrible, terrible thought. Uh, our joy, I think, is very much dependent on our assurance. Uh, do, you, do you know beyond any shadow of a doubt that your sins are under the blood? Do you know you're on your way to heaven? You have that wonderful assurance? You know, sometimes we make this so complicated that it just it, it, it gives us trouble. Uh, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Romans 10, 13. If you're having trouble and doubts about your salvation, just ask yourself this. Was there a day when you sincerely asked the Lord Jesus Christ to save you? Well, he promised to save you, didn't he? Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Did you call on him and ask him to save you? Don't make God a liar. If you ask him to save you, he saved you. He promised he would. Assurance is that simple. Did you call on the Lord and ask him to save you? Sincerely, then you're saved. <laughs> your sins are under the blood. You're on your way to heaven. So, so very important to have these things settled, is it not? Let's all pray. Our Father God, we're thankful today for the wonderful words of assurance and these wonderful words of life. And Father, we rejoice today in this so great salvation. Father, search us, try us. Uh, Father, if we're troubled about this matter of uh, assurance, we pray, Lord, that you might give peace and quiet today and uh, give grace to claim this wonderful promise that whosoever shall call upon the Lord shall be saved. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.